0: Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio.
1: Welcome back to the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Every Tuesday and Friday, we are bringing you the latest, the greatest News and everything else you need to know about real estate investing in Canada and kind of around the world. My don't name you is, when you're doing the intro, don't you feel
0: like tempted to say on the airwaves? But it's technically not because it's not in like a, I don't know if a, a radio show.
1: show. I've, I've never been tempted to say that. We have but these huge mics in front of you, you don't want to say on the airwaves. <laughs> and we actually, I guess it is airwaves because it's Wi Fi. We got those gifts that said on the air that we haven't put up yet because the studio is still under construction, anyways. Here we are, Nick and Dan back at it. Uh and I've got a question for you, Dan. It's kind of about today's topic. You're a realtor. Um is now a good time to buy a house. Well, it says here in my handy dandy realtor manual. That, uh, yes, uh, that every realtor It is always a good time to buy and sell a house. That's just that's just the cover. the, 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 on every page that just, (laughs) this is the answer to the question. I I don't know. Some, some folks off
0: uh, seem to think so. I uh, I, it's, it's tough to say. And I think it's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, this, this question has, has always come up, but I've never heard it more than, than recently. And I mean, recently in like the last couple months, and I've never heard it from such a broad range of people. Uh, You know, buying a house or an investment property is a major decision. And the current market climate makes that tough decision even more difficult. Higher interest rates have been one of the biggest influences on almost everyone's financial situation recently. So what we're going to do here, Dan, is we're going to look at a few different things. We're going to look at, first of all, what are you buying? What's your life situation? What are your financial and financing situations what's your plan where are you buying and i think we're going to have a bit of a takeaway and some banter back and forth as to is it actually a good time to buy a house for who and, and what and, and all that good stuff sounds good to me so wh- maybe we
0: will start off with what the bank of canada just did yeah they, the we usually do entire episodes on this but this is a this is more of a discussion about inaction because they hit the pause button again they or or this is before. Are we going in the time machine here? Bank of Canada had kept the overnight rate at 0.25%. Which was a historic low. And they had indicated that it would remain there until at least 2023. Did they they didn't say at least 2023. He said the foreseeable future, which we learned was not actually interpreted that. Interpreted yeah. as some people interpreted it wrong. Uh, that was a definitely a gamble. Misled um, maybe a, a word to throw in sure. there as well. Sure. Um However, at the end of 2022, many rate hikes were announced, and it was put and it pushed the rate to five percent. Now, the Bank of Canada just held the rate at five percent. Um, interest rates, inflation, lack of labor, lack of materials—these are just a few of the challenges that Canadians were facing.
1: Oh, and uh, not to mention the GDP numbers came out; they're not good. They're down, uh, and if they come out again next month as down, then guess what? We're in a recession officially. I've been in a recession officially for, like, since I was born. (laughs) Personally, (laughs) um, we we won't get into that here. But before we dive in, uh, because this is going to be a very conversational episode here between, uh, between you and I, Dan. There's two quotes I wanted to throw in. And I know we've used this one on the show before, but it really, really plays a part in this episode. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Little known guy, Buffett. Warren, You may have heard of him. Never heard of the guy. Well, you might have heard of the
0: next guy. Anybody can win in perfect conditions. Champions win even when the chips are stacked against them. That's what makes them champions rather than everybody else.
1: Hormozy. Alex. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason we have those two quotes in there are... You know it really is a mindset all of this there's so much stuff about consumer sentiment out there and we have an episode coming up about the bank of canada and and the consumer sentiment surveys that they've been putting out which which aren't great a lot of concern about cost of living a lot of concern about inflation and interest rates but this is about getting rid of all that noise and and really being strategic and figuring out what is the right move for you whether it's buying a house or real estate related or anything you know there's a lot of volatility in the in the world and in the economy right now. Yes, you need to be aware of it, but you can't let it dictate your life. So without getting too deep here, Dan, why don't we start off with the first question again, with what we're trying to figure out is now a good time to buy a house. The first question, what are you buying? Sure. Yeah. So,
0: and that, that kind of goes with questions along the line of, you know, are you a first time home buyer? Is this your first home? I know we do have a lot of, um, First-time buyers and and repeat buyers that listen to the show because they feel that the uh, research that we do is valuable to them as single-family home buyers, totally or homeowners. Um, and there's important considerations much more of a qualitative decision for people like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look if it's your if it's your first home and, and it's your first home as a as a primary residence, whether it's a condo, townhome, single detached, whatever, uh, very very different conversation than if it's your first investment property. So that's also something concerning. Within that conversation, what is that investment property? Is that a recreational property? And if so, what are you planning on doing with it? Yeah, I mean, recreational property is an interesting market, especially
0: given COVID. We saw a huge run up at the beginning of COVID. Bank, um Croft. Yeah, being... cottage, cottage properties <laughs> went. Um, but we you know, we have a, a recreational property listed for sale right now um, from one of our clients who's a, who owns Airbnbs. They have one, the the little stone house for sale um 12 durham street in uh in caramie ontario if you want to look it up on um realtor.ca and then we have an island for sale and both of them are actually seeing reasonable demand given decent amount of interest so some offers yeah and so yeah and so you always wonder you know like what's happening in the market Is, is there a degree of opportunism for any type of um property but the big question is what do you plan on doing with it if you plan on you know regardless of what you're buying you know setting aside those two examples If your plan is to maybe just buy it and park money in it and speculate then you know we i think most people would assume that the best the heydays of that are behind us because interest rates actually cost money now Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you're not you're not borrowing at net negative rates um and so now all of a sudden these considerations on what you're doing with the property matter a lot more is it going to cash flow is it going to give you the lifestyle return that you want as a cottage or recreational property is it going to give you the happiness and joy that you want As a single family residence or is it going to cause you too much financial stress right because that's the other consider that's the flips other flip side is are you going to be house poor right a lot of people are looking at the mortgage payments that they're going to have to pay on a monthly basis right now and say that's so expensive that i can't i can't imagine living five years of my life with that financial obligation i'm going to i would rather rent even with that
1: opportunity cost especially if you're on a fixed income and you know you know you can predict your raises you can predict your returns on investments, whether you know whether it's stocks, GICs, TFSA's, whatever, you know how much money you're making over the next five years. It's hard, right? Um, and actually, sorry, yeah, that piece, like the opportunity cost, is interesting
0: because you know, right now, let's say you buy a million dollar house, you're gonna pay like two hundred fifty thousand dollars in interest on a twenty five year AM. You're gonna pay like I don't know, eighty thousand dollars in principal over the first five year mortgage term. Not no, it's not. It's less than that. It's like thirty thousand dollars in principal over the first five year mortgage. Yeah, term. it's horrible. So like, you're <laughs> Even if you're not trying to, you know, is it a good time to buy a house and you're try- not trying to time the market or whatever, you might say, oh, there might be a time, a better time in the future where I won't be paying as much of an opportunity cost towards interest. And that's where a lot of people are considering the timing. You're getting people who are going on hold, waiting for, for interest rates to, so, to improve so that they can just amortize a house faster.
1: Timing. Okay. Interesting. I'm just coming up with something and bear with me because it might not hit, but it's not about timing the market it's about time in the market no, you stole that from a guy named nick hill he said it on the canadian <laughs> real estate podcast uh, right, I'm quoting 10 myself. months ago <laughs> i mean okay so again back to what are you buying right so so far is it your first home is it your primary residence is it a recreational property like a cottage or a piece of land is it an investment property is it your first is it your second investment property now if it is an investment property that opens up a whole nother caveat, because what type of property or asset class are you buying? Are you buying a single family? Are you buying a multifamily, a student rental? Are you buying commercial? Are you buying industrial? Are you buying raw land? And what is the plan for the future of that property? Is it an eventual development site? Do you know the zoning? Are you going to buy a single family and multiplex it? Are you going to try to you know, do a land assembly? Are you buying something specifically that you can put a a DADU, a detached accessory dwelling unit, like a garden suite or a laneway home on it? These are can all we just considerations. That, can we turn that into an acronym now? I feel like it deserves it. A DADU. DADU. <laughs> I think it's too close to Dada. But fine. <laughs> Dan, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, if you, what are you buying? Like, and we'll do a full takeaway at the end. But what are your thoughts on? the differences the different considerations for each one of these because they're they're so different than if i'm buying my first condo for five six hundred thousand dollars or less depending on where you're listening to this in the country or if i'm buying my first investment property or if i'm buying my fifth investment property in a new asset class like there's just so many different situations here
0: yeah you know I made the joke earlier that it's always a good time to buy and sell. That was a joke? Yeah. Yeah. So, what if the alternative was true? What if it's never a good time to buy and sell? I can't believe it. I'm out of here. But, but, Matt, like, I mean, it doesn't, there is really no optimal time. Like, and this is the thing. So, that's why I think, you know, most professionals would lean on the side of, it's always a good time because it's just, so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. how, how can I convince somebody beneficial. to, to yeah. pay me, uh, yeah. you know? But it, it could also be never a good time. There's always risk in the market, right? Rates are either too low and pre- and that's going to mean prices are going to go up or it's creating too much volatility or they're too high and well, you have an extremely speculators high. Speculators take over the market. Yeah, or you have, or rates are too high and you have a, extremely high capital costs that's preventing you. I mean, there are always push and pull factors. The The best time to buy is when you find a good deal. And this is why our entire show is about learning how to find a good deal or create a good deal. Like That's the whole thing. It's a good time to buy a house when you find a good house to buy, right? Love it. And in, in any market, it's and this is why I'm so obsessive about downside risk. It's like, if I can make good investments and bears are exceptionally good investors. And it's because they buy resilient things and they're not just gung-ho and just throwing money at everything because they think that everything's going to go up indefinitely. They only buy assets that make sense against their worst case scenario. And if you can do that, if you can find a house that you and your family will be happy with, that you would be okay um, paying these extreme mortgage rates for a five-year mortgage term, or you know that you'll be okay owning it if the price falls 10 or 20% now all of a sudden now we're talking now we're now we're talking about properties that from my perspective are worth looking at and that's when
1: it's a good time to buy when you find those yeah love that couldn't agree more however we've got some more stuff to talk about specifically you as the investor or as the end user what is your life situation Are you an investor? Are you a new one, an experienced one? Are you just a person trying to figure out if it's the first, you know, it's a good first time to buy your first house and and move your family in somewhere? Do you have partners if you're an investor? Do you have any major expenses coming up? Are you expecting new children? Do you have a wedding? Maybe your friend's wedding or any big Those are expensive. Talk about wedding inflation. Those are getting... I love it. (laughs) Um, But these are all just things to consider. Another big one, do you have steady guaranteed income? And is that income good or good enough to support what you're trying to do? Do you own your own business? So, you know, maybe
0: you have a less predictable stream of income. Variable income. Or um, places where there might be better or you might need liquidity in the future to invest in capital. I mean, I say this a lot and I believe in the real estate investment, but like the real estate investment more than, than any other investment or asset class. But I think the best thing that you can do right now is invest in yourself and do your job and increase your earning potential and make as much, mo- and because the more money that you can make and accumulate and dry the powder, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the, the better position you're going to be in when we are facing a downturn, which yeah, I'd we'll be there. Look, we're there. I don't even, yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't even have to say it because everybody else is saying it. I, w- I was saying it six months ago a year ago, perhaps two years ago five years ago yeah (laughs) i've predicted 10 of the last zero recessions (laughs) (laughs) but i think that you're you're right like these are important things are you in a position of
1: financial stress like is this is this going to exacerbate that Um, yeah do not buy anything whether it's a single family or a condo or an investment property if you are experiencing financial stress Pre-purchase, right. don't do it. Um, are you young? Are you
0: middle-aged or older? These these are things that are going to impact your risk tolerance, but also your holding period, right? Exactly. And your and your plan on your exit. Like you know, um, somebody who maybe is re- relying on this to then they need to liquidate it, or they want it to cash flow them in retirement, um, and they're in their 40s or 50s. You know, has a much different outlook than somebody who's 20 and maybe a contractor flipping properties, and so. And, and, and that the yield element and the time val- value of money element is in a lot of cases the earlier you can get into an asset right and so so when i when i say you know what are you buying and if it's to me it's always a good time to buy a good piece of real estate mm-hmm. at a fair price and then the su- like if it's a good piece of real estate and it's yielding uh, against the current interest rate environment it's cash flow positive the, the sooner you can take possession of that the better like there isn't really a timing element because the o- the length of ownership is the advantage of that
1: asset right i was trying to say this till the end but I'm, I'm scared i'm gonna forget it and i'm gonna just build off of what you said so yeah i mean it's always a good time to buy good deals and it's always a bad time to buy bad deals yes that's true okay let's wrap it up yeah that's, shortest that's episode that, i, fac- ever- <laughs> I fact checked <laughs> that one it's true. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but back to your life situation, right? Going back to what you were just saying Dan, your risk tolerance. The other thing is your life situation. How much time, let's just go back to if you are an investor, how much time do you have? How much time are you willing to put into this, right? Do you own your own business? Do you only have a couple hours a week at best to, to dedicate to finding deals and to possibly renovating and, you know, force appreciation on some of those deals, finding the right tenants, or are you bringing people in to that to help you out with that now the next thing to consider which is you know kind of builds off of your life situation is what are your financial and your financing situations right so again are you liquid do you have cash if you do how much do you even know how much you need how much of that cash needs to be allocated to whatever deal it is that you're trying to do What's the situation that
0: you're in from a debt perspective? What's your income situation? Do you, are, are your other properties contributing to your overall portfolio strategy? Do they cash flow? You know, somebody put out a um, a tweet the other day and it was like, how are, how are these people getting like 10, 20, 30 mortgages, right? Um, Good question. And, and it was like, and then, you know, at the bottom, it was like, you know, if, if you can't say it in public, just like put it in my DMs, right? And, and in my experience, DMs, yeah. I'm sure, but you know, there was some people in there and, and that had 10 20 properties and I, had, I was going through the thread and asking people like what was the what's the valuation on those properties because it's easy to have 10 properties that are worth 100 grand. That's one million dollars worth yeah. of mortgages, right? Like yeah. you, it's the it's the same amount of debt as buying one property in the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then, what's the cash flow situation? Because if as long as each property, each asset that you have, it doesn't even have to be a property. Whatever asset that you own, real estate or stocks or whatever is, crypto. I mean, crypto. Is, I don't see it paying dividends. For me, it pays inverse dividends, which is losing money. Um, oh, right. Yeah. But um, nice. are are your other assets contributing to your income situation? Are your other real estate assets? creating cash flow and advancing your your income situation cuz if you if your if other components of your portfolio need rescuing then you should probably focus on those first rescue them yeah fix that before you go move on to something
1: else yeah no, so great point so
0: expanding on your bad asset thing it's easier for bad assets to become toxic right don't
1: like if if you're is that going to like cause like sy- systemic risk on a small scale to your small portfolio right. right if you've got four duplexes and one of them is completely underwater how is that going to affect the other ones that may be breaking even or cash flowing well and and it's
0: it's easy to chase that shiny object syndrome where oh yeah there's another good investment out there but if you have a bad one that you could turn into a good one with the same amount of capital like oh i have 250k sitting around and i have one you know single family home or you know yeah single family home that's bleeding out and i want to go spend the 250k cuz i saw that i can get a fourplex for way cheaper now but I sh- should probably put half of that into that back into that single family and maybe duplex it, put a hundred K in, put a basement apartment and get that one on side first, I think. Yeah. So if you have a bad asset, turning it into a good asset might actually be the more, I, I guess the better allocation of that capital time and energy before you move on to the scaling thing.
1: Yeah. And, and that brings us to another great consideration here, which is you know more about the money, right? How much money not only how much do you have, but how much are you willing to pay to get money if you need more, right? Are you willing to entertain a hard money loan? Do you have any experience with hard money? That is not something for the faint of heart. Right? Like, when I say double digit interest rates, I'm not talking like, oh, we're at like, t- or I'm not talking 10 and 11. I'm talking like, you know, 15 to 20% in some cases for for construction loans. So how long do you need that money for, right? Like what is your actual plan here? Now, again, this situation changes drastically if you're going through a bank and you have, you know, traditional employment, you're going through a bank and you're buying a house within your means to move your family into, in a, you know, half decent market where you can get a, a good uh, value for a property. That's very different than an investor who's trying to lever up and considering hard money going in with a lot more unknowns and a lot more risk. And you need to know a lot of things like how long you need that money for. You need to know exactly how much everything is going to cost. Closing cost, land transfer, legal, and especially your renovation and your interest payment cost. And another one, Dan, we haven't talked about this in a while. Is there going to be a big money moment in this situation? And if so, when? and how i love the big money moment that's an actual Nick Hill original yeah, i that think it's the possible. only real one. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on i must have at least one or two other originals but that is an original the big money moment i like and that what is remind us what a big money moment is dan i don't know i've never seen one before in my whole life yeah no me neither <laughs> but i've got some friends that have had big money moments <laughs> so a big money moment is is basically you've waited a mortgage term you've done you've executed a perfect burr you've You're doing a cash out refi, you're doing an equity takeout, any of these number of things where you've delayed gratification enough or you've put in enough work into a good enough deal that you now you know, you know, you don't get the five hundred or fifteen hundred dollar monthly cash flow. You get a check for, you know, a hundred thousand all the way up to maybe a million dollars in some cases. That's a big money moment, baby. that was good (laughs) I feel like I was like at a like a Tony Robbins everyone get
0: up and clap come Uh, on (laughs) what's your life situation is that we're on now no we're on what's your plan Mm. what's your plan do you have a plan that would be a good start um (laughs) (laughs) me personally no so, my plan is to win the lottery. No, my, my plan is that uh, home values quadruple in the next five years. Well, you well just, see, like, I don't like I, I'm just it's funny because a lot of speculators are in bad positions right now, and I don't know if they had a plan.
1: You know, time will tell. What's that other old adage of, you know, tide goes out and you're swimming naked? The tide is rapidly going out, and uh, we're getting down to the waistline for, for some people, so uh, yeah. Maybe some private parts exposed very quickly. Definitely some naked swimming, and there's <laughs> sharks swimming all around them yeah. too. Um,
0: I mean, look, the plan—it's subjective. All these things are subjective. That's why we're not giving you like concrete. We're points. not giving you answers here. Yeah, we're, we're asking we're, you the questions. Yes. Because um, these are questions that you need to ask yourself from start to finish. Like everything in here, if you don't have answers to these questions, it's not a good time for you to buy. Yeah, and there's That's like the thirty plus questions in here. Like you got to really figure this out. Um, so look, the plan. It, it would depend on the type of property. Have you run the numbers? That usually helps. Um, do you have <laughs> Do you have multiple exit strategies? I know it sounds funny, and like we're laughing about this, but the amount of people where like yeah. I'm like I'm I'm getting the majority of my phone calls right now are people looking to get rescued. Right, they're people who are calling me and they're like, "Should I sell? Here's the situation." mortgage payments quadrupled, um, negative equity position because I bought at the peak, et cetera, et cetera. The, like I'm not, I, I would never laugh at people who are in that position. That sucks. it's sad. But to go back, I, a lot of them, the people that I'm seeing in these positions to draw that correlation didn't think about it they just assumed that real um, estate always goes up right well yeah somebody <laughs> was telling them like and, the and, real and, and there was book. so much FOMO and double digit increases and it was like oh well double digit increases against a global pandemic you know real estate canadian real estate must be invincible and so i got to i got to get on right and that's what people were doing and they they hadn't run the numbers they didn't have multiple exit strategies. They didn't have a single exit strategy. And now they're stuck because they they can't find the exit. There isn't one.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you even need an exit strategy when when property values are going up, you know, 20, 30% year over year? No, you, you don't. Right. But the minute they stop going and other people have exited and you're left holding the bag, uh, exit strategies start looking pretty good. And you start looking for those illuminated exit signs that you see in, uh, in any dark room that you're in, which you might be if you're in this position. And those don't exist because you didn't install them because you need to figure out an exit strategy on the way in. And we like to have multiple exit strategies. And usually you lead with one, right? Like this is going to be a fix and flip. But if we can't yeah let's say it. you try and stick to
0: plan a like I, I look there's always a plan a b and c but the b and c are like fail saves, right yes, so it's like exactly you get plan a and then plan b is to repeat plan a and then plan c is you know its own thing oh man right? those plans didn't work out yeah <laughs> we're on c now let's yeah. go and yeah. um yeah and from my perspective just to go back to the the hoping that capital appreciation. Can, is going to pull all the assets up because anybody who was buying cash flow negative in the past several years the, you, whether you like it or not you were speculating because it's not an investment if it's cash flow negative and it's it's a speculative investment or a capital appreciation play which is very much an interest rate play and that didn't um, materialize but the the whole thing is predicated on hope the hope that that things go up and you'll hear a lot of investment professionals say this hope is not a strategy if you have other properties or sorry is is this property a a buy and hold how long are you going to hold it are you building a portfolio because that that really matters and and one of the things we're going to be talking a lot about in the course which starts on september 19th and we have a couple of spots left if you're interested in joining us is how to build um like some people just want to own one investment property and they want it. but if you want to build a, a portfolio you you really have to strategically position assets one to every actually every single next acquisition has to serve you in the goal of getting to the following one
1: yeah and and say you got to be at at least like 10 plus the bare minimum before you can right. before you can sustain a bad apple in there. Yeah. And that battle but that bad apple, because we've got at least one of those in our portfolio, uh, one in specific. But that we know that that bad apple will eventually turn into probably one of the the crown jewels of the portfolio in time. Right. We know that five years from now, that's going to be a development site. And yeah, it's a pain in the ass right now, but we've got a long-term play. We've got multiple exit strategies. And we went in knowing that we were getting into a tumultuous situation to say the least.
0: Yeah. And I think the easiest way to think about this, to return to the the difference between cash flowing real estate and cash negative real estate is if, a, if an asset is losing money, then it gets you further from buying the next asset. Totally. Because it's taking away from your income and income your and your ability to qualify for a mortgage on the next purchase depends on your income. No matter what, even if you're in a you know a large corporation, and anything that's reducing your income reduces your your future buying power. Anything that's increasing your income, which is a property that is cash flow positive, is going to increase your buying power on the next asset. And so we want to ideally I, I could be wrong here, but I think most people want to increase their buying power on the next asset i'd assume and so in order assumption. to do that you need to increase your income and in order to do that you need to buy assets that cash flow and that's where the people who scale the people who have multiple that they, they they saw that from the beginning and they weren't relying yes there is a way there's a version of doing that where you bought something 5 years ago and it gave you 500k in equity and then you cut you sold it or refied out and cut that in half and Took the two the two fifty equity pieces and go went and bought more properties, you know, on the assumption. I guess at that point the rates were so low that your income didn't matter as much. But we know those days are behind us. And the other thing that I've mentioned, I think it was a couple of times ago when we we're doing talking about cash flow versus capital appreciation is, cash flow is guaranteed, right? You know that you're getting it every month, and whereas capital appreciation is hope. It, it's you're assuming that you get it every month, and if if you're if you're wrong. You can't really fix it in mm-hmm. real time. Cash flow you can fix in real time by increasing rents, getting people to pay, decreasing costs, etc. So go- Renting up more space, getting creative. Yeah. yeah. Where and so I would say go with the sure thing, the cash flow element rather than the the hope thing. Some people like to gamble and so go Keep it to the casinos. Give her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or or giver, whatever. I don't like it doesn't I, speculators I find I actually don't mind. They're they're out of my way on yeah. you know what I mean, it's on the on the assets yeah. that I want. to.
1: So again, going back to, you know, this section of is now a good time to buy. You gotta have your personal plan figured out. And again, recap, totally depends on the type of property, have those multiple exit strategies, run your numbers, go into it knowing what you're gonna do, buy and hold, fix and flip, student rentals. Is this the first or second or third property in the eventual portfolio that you are trying to accumulate? What is your skill set? How much time are you planning to spend increasing the value of this property? And then if you're not there, do you have the team in that local area to execute the plans that you have in place? So those are all some serious factors to consider when, you know, what is your personal plan in this situation? I think the last thing we're going to cover here, Dan, is where are you buying?
0: So this again depends on the type of person you are and what pro what type of property and asset class. You know, if you're a end user, maybe you're driving till you qualify. If you're an investor, maybe you're driving
1: till you quantify, which can is just, a Dan Foscher original. That's that is a Dan Foscher original. I'll give you that. Can you just go over the, the difference between those again quickly? For, yeah. So, for some new listeners, maybe. Yeah, sure, yeah. So for a drive till you qualify buyer,
0: it would be basically you're driving until you can find a property that is cheap enough that you can qualify for a mortgage
1: for So i live downtown toronto i can't afford the single family house i need because i have two kids and a dog now or i'm expecting my second i just get in the car and drive, drive. to manitoba <laughs> yeah. um yeah yeah that's kind of the idea and then you started seeing the fly
0: till you qualify thing which right. is like that's, actually that's manitoba kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well actually the biggest one was um nova scotia and Alberta is mm-hmm. where all, most Ontarians went. We've uh, and got the an fly you coming up
1: about uh, yeah. interprovincial. Yeah,
0: because I actually found something different is, um, or I found something interesting is like a lot of people outside of uh, BC and Ontario, the uh, immigration actually has a lower impact on house prices, house price growth than interprovincial migration. So it's actually the Ontarians mm. who are driving up the house prices in Nova Scotia <laughs> and Alberta. <laughs> but not um, But... So, and, and drive till you quantify would be similar. Basically, you know, oh, I'm an investor and I want to buy a seven cap because that's basically what you need to buy at uh, current interest rates to be cash flow positive at like a 75 or 80% loan to value, mm-hmm. realistically, which is just wild. But anyway, if I'm in Toronto, I'm not going to find a seven cap, in, at least not in single family or multifamily residential. So, but if I drive to Lindsay, Ontario, I will because I did, just did a seven cap deal there, actually. But and, and this could be anywhere, and you are seeing investors. This is why you're seeing a lot of Toronto investors going to buy in Calgary, right? They, a lot of people, they don't think in terms of cap rates. I do just because I think it's the easiest way to compare properties and markets at, on a number basis. But um, a lot of Toronto investors are saying, or Ontario investors are saying, I want to buy cash flow positive condos because they don't want maintenance, whatever, and they can't do that in Toronto, so they're going to do it in Calgary. Or you know, we've seen a lot of uh, MLI select investors. A lot of CMHC builders and um, who are who are building multifamily assets. You have to be building at a certain rate in order to quantify the quantitative element of this to make the numbers work. They are doing a lot in Halifax. We're seeing a lot of yeah, people, yeah. a lot of people building multifamily in Halifax or in BC. Uh, you know, a builder in they're in the Okanagan. You know. We have a, a listener on the show we just, I was just chatting with from Vernon, BC, who's oh, multi-family. Vernon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the, it, but those are, that's the drive till you quantify element. You have to get far enough away from the core that the land cost goes down or, you know, the economics start to improve. That's
1: drive till you quantify. Love it. Appreciate that, Dan. So, the, and this is funny because, you know, those are both ones long distance to, to move to. The other one's long distance investing. Um, You know, two of the most recent, well, a conversation that we had uh, not on the podcast with a a close friend and and legend in the industry, we'll keep his name hush hush for now. And then another gentleman that we interviewed recently both said the same thing, you don't have to leave home to make money. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. At least when you're starting out, maybe they didn't have to leave home to make money. I mean,
0: like any industry veteran, had it a lot different than us. I'm not even gonna say easier because I'm not like I don't want to have that victim, that victim kind of mentality. But um, it was different, and. We, at least for me, I I haven't figured out, I, I, think, I, I think I'm I think starting to figure out how to make money in urban areas now that I've let it kind of cool down. I do think Toronto and Toronto, you know, I don't want to be a Toronto centric show. I mean, like, but urban areas are actually becoming a lot easier to make money because of the policy that we're seeing happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: BC, a lot of municipalities in BC are encouraging multi- multiplexes. Um, I think Calgary is now, Edmonton is, is uh, I, I think, pushing for four units. Um, you know, a lot. So a lot of these areas are pushing for infill multiplexes. Um, so areas where the land costs were extremely high, now the yield or the output that you can get from those high land costs has quadrupled, let's say, or even doubled if it's went from a duplex to a fourplex. Yeah, you're not
1: able to put four,
0: five, six units on. And so, you know, the you might there might actually be a bit of a renaissance period where we can start making money at home in those urban areas. But I didn't see that. I I I disagreed with that statement.
1: Yeah. Before. Yeah. Before no, ag- agreed. And I mean again, I think you're right, not it's just different. But You know, you really do need to know the market, right? You need to know if if you can build that garden suite, you know, can I put a basement suite in here? What are the current local market conditions, not even just the municipality's housing plans, but what are the infrastructure plans? Are they putting a new school in? Are they putting something like a new sewer in, which you know means that there is going to be uh, increased increased growth in in the community do you have a team again going back to this do you have a team in place to execute on those plans so where you are buying is just as important as any of the other things and but that really does fall on you and the team around you to to figure it out. So, Dan, let's have a quick chat about the generalities here. I'm just going to go back and do a quick summary before we, before we kind of give our final thoughts on the matter. So, again, the question that we're trying to answer is, is now a good time to buy a house? Some of the first things you got to figure out are what are you buying? Is this your first time? Are you an end user? Are you an investor? Where are you in that trajectory of growth? The next thing is what's your life situation? Do you have partners? Do you have uh, a spouse that is not interested in doing this? Do you have kids or weddings or trips coming up? Uh, Do you own your own business? Are you financially stressed? What's your risk tolerance? Where are you in your life from an age perspective? And then of course your finances. What's your liquidity like? What's your debt situation like? Do you have other properties? If so, do they cash flow? How much risk are you willing to take on from a hard money perspective? Do you know your numbers? And finally, what's your plan? totally depends on the type of property. What's your skill set? Are you buying or trying to build a portfolio? Or are you doing a buy and hold a fix and flip? And then finally, where are you buying? Do you know the market conditions? Do you have the right people there to execute? Are you driving to the qualify or do you quantify? I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll, just, we'll wrap up with some housekeeping. Well, let's 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 take a big, like, what do you, like, if, you, if I asked you this right now, very quickly, what do you think is now a good time to buy without the realtor handbook yeah <laughs> it, it, it I, I really do feel it's always a good time to buy a
0: good asset and for people who don't um who don't have the time to to um find or or turn deals into good deals either i need to find a team to do that for you and we're welcome to be a part of that team so give us a shout but um, B, you could wait because I do think, you know, if you if you don't have the time to really push and, and work deals into place, I think we're still early in the cycle. And I think better there will be better re- deals just, you know, like that you find. I don't think you find good deals. I think you create good deals. But I think that you will find better deals ahead than, than where we're looking at right now. So objectively, I would say probably not a good time to buy but you know we know that people come and listen to our catalog later so today is uh september 9th 2023 (laughs) 2023 yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i think that you know as i think when price everybody wants to time the bottom right they want to buy the lowest price they possibly can you can't do that it's It's not like you're
1: not gonna it's literally not not possible just from a
0: purely data perspective if you want to time the bottom you have to be buying on the way down and but you know mitch who's doing the course with us he actually presented a, a much different thesis he feels you know, I would rather miss out on that couple, that maybe that ten percent run, upswing, but be buying yeah. on the upswing, right? Yeah. So it really depends on you as an investor. But if you want to try and time the exact bottom, you have to be buying on the way down, and that's that's risk because you're buying in a declining price environment. Yeah. Um, and the reason you have to be buying on the way down is because you you create the bottom. Your comp is the bottom. If you want to be the bo- if you want to be buying on the bottom, right? Well said and so yeah. anyway, I, I would say look objectively. I don't think it's a great time, or I don't think it's the best time to buy. But I, I think it's always a good time if you can get a good or great deal. And I think that we're starting to see those great deals show up where we weren't. I, I wasn't seeing great deals for the past three years, or yeah. five years.
1: No, agreed. And, and to go back, you know, I, I, I agree, Dan. I think it's always a good time to buy good investments. It's always a bad time to buy bad investments. So subjectively, you know, again, this is on a person by person basis. It's up to you. It's your situation. Because the answer could be a hell yes. A yes, a maybe, a probably not, or a hell no. We're not here to tell you what to do, but we wanted to present all these factors. So my takeaway is be strategic, be picky, set yourself up for success by being what we like to say, patiently impulsive, which means be ready to pounce when you do find a good deal. Set yourself up, answer as many of these questions as you can. And then when a deal presents itself, you are ready to make a move. And in some cases, speed Wins and speak and make that deal a hell of a lot better. So, I guess my answer would be, my answer would be yes if if it's the right person. Yeah, it's and always right a yes deal. if, yeah, or no yes if. if. Yeah, never, yes if or never, no if. It's never a good time or always a good time. Anyways.
0: Housekeeping and we'll get out of here. Yeah. So meetups, um, by the time this episode airs, we will have had our September 12th meetups, but we have meetups in, um, we have 11 cities now, I think. Yeah. We have 11, 11 groups, 941 members. We're almost at a thousand. hit that thousand mark. Um, yeah. I mean, Calgary is crushing everybody in um, in number of members, by the way. I think we have two over 200, almost 300 members in Calgary. Must um, be all the
1: people that move from Toronto to Calgary. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they can all actually invest because they have money out there. <laughs> yeah. um, but we had some great attendances for the September 12th. Um, Barry had uh, 20, your Toronto one, had, it, it says 18 on the RSVP, but I think there's quite a few more coming. Everybody's yeah. got like plus five. I think there's there. like in the
1: forties, I'm a little yeah. worried
0: to be honest, yeah. but it we'll is see. It is. Ah, it's a good, very good problem to yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've got, we just added a Charlottetown PEI, so we will have a PEI meetup. Actually, PEI, because we merged with an existing group out there, they... I'd already had one booked for uh, September 28th, so um, that one will be a a bit of an outlier, and then they'll be joining our schedule starting in November. Um, But our next meetups are coming up on October the 10th, and so make sure you check out uh, realestatemeetups.ca to join one of those. Uh, They're all listeners who just get together, talk real estate, do deals together, help one another invest
1: yeah we've had a lot of questions as to like what's the point of these who can come um just some general stuff like that i'll make this very clear anyone that likes real estate in any capacity is more than welcome these are very easy collaborative inclusive you just literally come show up have a have a beer or a coffee or a pop whatever you want and uh Talk with other people about real estate. Who knows? You might meet your next JV partner there. I think that's the easiest way to say it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or you might get a great deal. Yeah. Right? Like there might be a realtor there who's got an off market property that's exactly what you're looking for or whatever. And, you know, in order to be lucky in life, you got to be in the right place at the right time. And the easiest way to be in the right place at the right time is to be a lot of places, a lot of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and with that, I think it's, uh, Perfect time to wrap up. Yeah. So go be in a lot of places at a lot of times. Remember, now is always a good time to buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Not we'll financial advice. <laughs> the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317 Agent License M21004037.
0: Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.